As far back as I can remember, I always wanted to be a gangster. What in the ham fat is going on with you guys? Nine to noon. He got back to his skates and he unleashed a shot that was stopped by Vanacek. Now Greenway a bit off the left wing boards. It's loose. They score! Erickson had banged it home. It's his second of the night. Vanacek would like that one back. A big rebound. And Jules Erickson makes it 3 0 wild. Hey, PA, good, thank you. To let these wild horses run this evening against the Nashville Predators, you ready for this big one? Yeah, you know what, we're uh, we're just chatting about uh, Nashville and, uh, and and their hockey club and and how we need to play, and, uh, and certainly we've liked our game here, uh, you know, the last couple of games out here on the road, and we're looking forward to uh, playing a real good team, a uh, good challenge for us here this evening. With uh, with the two they've beaten you this season, where where did they get you consistently? Well, very similar hockey club to us, actually. If you look at their roster, you look at their lineup, they're built a lot like us. They're they're big, strong. They're arguably their start, third line is is like our Erickson Eck line. They score. They've got some skill. Their defense is real good at jumping up into the play. Obviously, with Yossi. Um, on their team, and and then they're getting great goaltending from uh, UC Cerro. So um, they they they've got a lot of similarities to us. Um, they've uh, caught us in a couple of different areas, um, you know that that we usually catch other teams. But um, you know, certainly if we're the same type of a hockey club and we play very similar games we've got to uh bring our uh, compete level up in order for us to have success here tonight how do you feel about you guys if you consistently get into heavy games because like you know you'll read you'll read things approaching the playoffs and you know some people will will note that teams play heavy against Everson's team but then with Delorier, Middleton, Felino, uh, the grief line, Kaprizov uh, he can, he can play a strong heavy game i mean do do you feel good about your squad in that situation? Yeah, I mean you're right, Pierre. You hear about that a lot, right? Of how you know playoff hockey and and how you need to have success and all that kind of stuff. Well, that's how we want to play every single game. And and I know you know in game whatever in in uh, you know early November, or December, or whatever it is, it's uh, 
it's it's difficult uh, to log season all that kind of stuff and everybody's you know it's difficult to get the guys motivated. Our guys are consistently you know pretty good at gearing up for a physical uh, encounter and um, it's the way that uh, that that Billy's uh, his vision of approaching um, how we want to build the team and uh, and then uh, down to us as a coaching staff we stress that a lot and I think our players I know our players enjoy playing that type of a hockey game that that way we're um, just naturally physically engaged so in order for us to continue to have success um, we have to do that on a consistent basis little puck talk Dean Evison coach of the Minnesota Wild Nashville and the Wild uh, from Smashville this evening KFAN I'm Paul Allen it's nine to noon uh, personally um, I, I just I love what you guys have with the flower I mean so some of the younger guys have to be in awe of his greatness, which means they're going to give everything to to not let down the flower, which means you might get excellence from your guys, even uh, excellence maybe you haven't even seen this season. I mean, the flower, he, he brings stuff out in, in, in the kids like that, right? Well, I think more uh, more than that, like more than the awe factor, and well, he's you know a Hall of Fame guy and all that kind of stuff, is that he is a tremendous teammate. Um, I think that's the difference. I think that's what's allowed him to have success for this long and be as good as he's been for this long um, because of because of who he is as a person and who he is as a teammate. And and of course, he can stop the pucks. Of course, he's He's athletic, and of course he competes his ass off. But what he does within the dressing room and immediately when he came to our group is he didn't try to do anything except be himself. And our group is, uh, is, is we believe and know, is very solid in there. The dressing room is solid. It, it, it plays for each other. It uh, conducts itself the right way. There's no individuality. And he's just added to that group and accentuated that group. So I think more than anything, I think that's what uh, what the guys really love about him and uh, and him being on our hockey club. Hey, Coach, how would you describe Mark Andre Fleury's style of goaltending? Uh, compete. Um, you know, it's uh, I you know I don't get into too much. You'd have to talk to Freddie Chabot uh, about uh, how he stops the puck because. Cause I don't give a crap how he does it as long as he does it. Um, but he, uh, he just, he's, he's just constantly, um, energetic and competing his butt off. And, um, you know, he gives himself a chance to, to keep it out of the net every play. So with, with Freddie, uh, with the goaltending coach, Freddie Shabbat, how, how do you coach the flower? Just, just like, just like anybody else, but still, I mean, we're talking about multiple titles, HOF, and he's seen everything. Like anyone else, we, uh, you know, everybody doesn't get treated the same, but everybody gets treated fairly. Like we don't, we don't change how we coach or we don't change how we, um, approach individuals or people, um, just be, you know, that, that have come into our, our organization. We treat them exactly how we treat everybody else. And, and that's to, uh, you know, fairly, um, you know, get them on the same page as us as, as far as the team. Uh, is concerned and, uh, systematically, um, we teach the exact same stuff. Um, you know, and I'm sure Freddie's got, uh, you know, differences that he works on with Cam as opposed to, to, uh, Mark Andre. But, um, but as far as, uh, the team aspect of it, 
It's exactly the same. Two in a row for Dino. Nine to noon. Nashville tonight. Cam, you mentioned Cam. I mean, he, he's playing terrific. He's just playing so well. It's nice to have that part of the equation settled. Well, I think that, and uh, for sure, um, both guys are, are, are stopping pucks. And um, but I, I, we believe that uh, you know we're very committed down there to uh, to keep pucks away from the front of the net, and then keep people away from the front of our net. We boxed out extremely well. We had really good sticks keeping people away from the front of the net, got rebounds into safe spots or cleared them out and and led to offensive opportunities the last couple of games. We have to continue to do that, um, especially against a team here in Nashville that gets to the net as good as anybody. Boldy back tonight? He will not. He's going to skate. I I, I shouldn't jump and say that. I we don't anticipate it. Um, he'll skate here this morning again. We had the day off yesterday, um, so he did not skate. I would think that even if he's ready to go, we would likely give him one more day. So um, I'm not saying 100%, but he's most likely not in this evening. It's his 21st birthday. You know he probably wants to play. Well, that's news to me because I don't care about that crap. I'm just more worried. I'm just worried about playing the hockey game. Well, I mean, <laughs> it, you be, being the coach, you kind, you kind of have to think about and look at everything, right? I mean, it's a it's no, funny. no, 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 no. You don't. Who's no. that, Garen? <laughs> Skaying? I don't know. I I don't know. I don't. Uh, I don't. We. I don't concern myself with that kind of stuff. We just want to get ready yeah. to play the game here tonight. But. Uh, but uh, certainly he's uh, he's a big part of our hockey club, so the sooner he can get back, the better we'll be. A 21st birthday in Nashville. I'm sure he handled it responsibly, so we'll just uh, we'll wait for him next game. Um, Kaprizov has found a second gear, hasn't he? Um, you know what? He's so uh, business-like the last, uh, last while, and we've talked a lot about his compete, his physicality. Um, and when things aren't going well, his, his concern for the team, uh, most importantly, and not about the individual. So he's, uh, you know, he's playing extremely well. He's leading by example. Um, sure, he scores, uh, puts points up, um, which helps uh, our hockey club have success. But he competes as hard as anybody, and I think that's a, uh, an awesome leadership trait. Dean, these um, these Predators, uh, you, you might catch them in the first round of the postseason. I mean, I... Yeah, hockey, it's tough to have like a 75% effort game. But, I mean, like tonight's game, I mean, it, do you sense it's going to have a playoff feel to it? I think we've been playing that type of a game. And, and, and whenever people um, say that, uh, you know, to us or, or definitely to me about, you know, this is a playoff type of game, well, everyone has been. And that's, again, how our hockey club is built and how we want to play. So, Playoffs are physical. Playoffs are disciplined. They're, you know, you're, you're, you're doing the right things. You're not turning pucks over. All those kind of things. If you can play that way from game one, um, you know, it doesn't always happen. But, uh, if you can do that, then, then you're preparing, uh, yourselves to, uh, to, to play at, at, in the postseason. So we're trying to play like that every night. Um, again, it likely will be that type of a hockey game here tonight that we have to do all the right things in order to give ourselves a chance. That uh, that Tyson Jost is playing well for you. What a scrappy guy. Yeah, you know what? He's. Uh, we talked as soon as he got here that, that he would have an opportunity at some point to, you know, not, not move, uh, well, I guess move up in our lineup as far as our, 
our line combinations. And when, when Boldy went out, it was just he's played left wing basically all year in Colorado and the last couple, and we like him at center a lot. Um, but he provides us with a, an element of uh, speed um, and tenaciousness on the wing to get in on the four checks. Um, and, and put pressure on defense as far as, uh, with the puck and or without the puck. So, um, we've really liked his game, but again, not unlike we just talked about Mark Andre Fleury, we've loved how he's come in and been a team first, uh, player for us. Is, um, is Roman Yossi the best blue liner in the NHL? Well, he's certainly one of them. We think we've got a few on our team as well, but, uh, but he does a lot of, uh, so many things well. Uh, his skating ability, his stick, uh, jumping into the play, but he doesn't sacrifice his defensive game, uh, you know, because of it. So there's no question he's, uh, an elite defenseman. The, um, uh, last one, uh, the Caps drafted you back in the day. That, um, when, when you jumped that team in the first two and a half minutes, got those two goals on the back to back. I mean, how key was that? It was, um, you know, we actually talked about it. They had been off for five days or some five or six days and, and we did talk about, rolling into that game after playing the night before and still having our legs and we definitely did um they did not have their legs early and we took that away and but what was more impressive not only are jumping them early but consistently keeping them down once they were getting their legs and what i mean by that is that we we didn't allow them uh, easy entries we didn't allow them um you know turnovers on our part to feed into them getting back into that hockey game. So we liked how we conducted ourselves in that area as well. Stay hot. Talk to you soon. Thanks, Pete. Appreciate it. Dean Everson, coach of the Minnesota Wild. Nashville this evening. Wild um, hooking Nashville or St. Louis, uh, most likely in the first round of the postseason a few weeks from now. And um, you will hear that playoff atmosphere with Joe O'Donnell and Tom Reed, Kevin Falness, metaphorically by their sides this evening. It is the Wild in Nashville, FM 100.3, KFAM. In a roundabout way, part of the Timber Tech sets, set list. What's on deck 9 to noon does include that uh, Wild game later this evening. Minnesota Timberwolves head coach Chris Finch. He joins at 11.40. We got the coach for the Wolves, Howell, each and every week. Today it's uh, 11.40 with Chris Finch. They play the Wizards this evening at Target Center. A couple of Viking segments at least uh, commence at 9.35. Talkbacks in play, free iHeart Radio app, get the microphone, fire away with a take or a talker, and um, in a roundabout way, join 9 to noon with me, Paul Allen. Nordo produces, he's mad producer. It's FM 100.3 KFAN. The kid with the curl stole the show last evening. College basketball championship on KFAN, a truncated recap. When we return. P.A. The end. The fan. Programming on the fan brought to you in part by Quick Trip. Martin with the three. Banks it in. Wow. That's it. He's looking over. They last led with nine minutes to go in the first half at 18-16. Tommy gives it to him with the three. Woo! The second Goodness. wave is coming. Careful with Remy if it's a kick. Remy from the corner. And he's there hit another is. one. I'll tell you what, there's nothing like a little Remy late in the evening. Always survive. 
Tough shot. Oh, he got it right on the top of the window. Dribble drive, fine. Seven to shoot. What a screen by McCormick. Martin shot. Oh, woo, the little guy. Jayhawks running down the North Carolina Tar Heels last evening, as heard on KFAN, including including uh, Bill Raftery. Nothing like a little a little Remy late in the evening talking about uh, the kid with the curl, Remy Martin. Remy, Remy, don't tell me. No, not for, uh, um, cognac. Ooh, you, you had it on the tip of your tongue first. It's a bourbon. Bruh, 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 bruh. Bur- Brand. Oh, it's brandy. Such a fine girl, what a good wife she would be. I thought Remy the drink was a cognac, and Remy Martin, the basketball player, was sipping cognac like a French king. Remy Martin, the kid with the curl. You happen to know what his real first name is? And good morning. And good morning. I have no idea. Reminisce. I just guessed that it was Brandy. It might be cognac. I'm not sure. I um, I thought he was a Jeremy Martin, but he actually, of Filipino descent, is Reminis Martin. Shorten it up, it's Remy Martin sipping on that Remy, whether it's a brandy or he's sipping cognac like a French king. The kid with the curl. Looks like it's cognac. You were right. Sipping, well, you know me, I'm drinking aficionado. He's um, sipping cognac like a French king with that little twirly thing dangling down his forehead, bouncing about as he runs up and down the court. Reminis Martin, the kid with the curl. What an interesting run for this young man. What an interesting run for those who have watched KU four consecutive games. And three of the four would include Providence. No, all four. Providence, Miami, Nova, and Gabe Henderson's Baby Blue Tar Heels. Interesting run for this young man. Plenty on which to his first name. Reminisce. For Remy Martin, the kid with the curl. He had 23 versus Providence in the Sweet 16. Anybody who watched it, it was the dawning of the curl. The curl with the twirl coming down his forehead. Cutest thing ever, Reminis Martin. The next two versus Miami and Villanova, 12 points combined and three of nine from the free throw line. Remy Martin, three of nine from the line in the NCAA tournament. When Bill Self's looking for somebody to hit all the free throws, because when you get to the line, you get those free points. That's how you house a title. Oh, oh my God. Main man goes three of nine. The coach lost trust in him. Bill Self, if you watched Miami and Villanova, those two games, Elite Eight, Frozen Four, Bill Self had lost some faith in the kid with the curl. And the kid with the curl had lost faith in himself because he... He became a savvy, early evening, functioning brickathon master. Remy Martin, just chucking up bricks. Nine to noon is all about second chances. Time for two more. 
It's all about second chances, and that's why that kid sticks out in the Love Covenant. I mean, you got McCormick with that sweet little baby hook. Bill Walton wannabe couldn't stop it. Guy with the bad ankle kept getting picked because Bill Self was scheming Hubert Davis late in the game to pick the pick the kid with the ankle to get McCormick in the key for the right-handed jump hook with Bill Walton guy on him. It was brilliant. But Remy Martin and second chances. After those two, Elite Eight and Final Four, he scores a combined nine points. Goes three of the, he goes like like three of nine or two of nine from the line. I think it was three of nine. That ain't gonna cut it. Enters the title game. Here comes the kid with the curl. Hurls up two bricks. I mean, they weren't even close. And he's like aiming it. He's looking at the basket, going hey, kitty kitty. Kitty, kitty. And it was just like aiming it. And he wasn't even close. And then the first shot he hits is a straightaway banked in three. He missed it that badly. So this kid's just chucking up bricks. And Kansas, all of a sudden, after opening up like 7 0, in a very, very entertaining title game to listen to on KFAM, Kansas is going punchless into the night. It was such. Such a strange game last night in that North Carolina came out wide-eyed and couldn't handle the heat. And then Kansas got all nervous and started tripping out and being all fractious and twitchy and everything and 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 lost its proverbial swerve. And you got Reminis Martin chucking up these three, chucking up these bricks from 25. Teammates are rolling their eyes. They're like, what up? And North Carolina then uh, rendered the Jayhawks catatonic. You couldn't get anything from that team, man, when they were down 40 to 25. So then you start the second half, guards start penetrating, kicking out for those threes or going inside to McCormick when he was hooked up against the Bill Walton wannabe, and Kansas caught life. But North Carolina was not catatonic. And then North Carolina goes catatonic like a shark in the Bahamas. When you gently rub on the bottom of the chin of the shark, it turns over and goes catatonic. And that's what happened to the Tar Heels. They went catatonic. Kansas blows by. And then UNC comes back on the squad. But then you got the kid with then you got the, the kid with the curl. I mean, the kid with the curl catches fire, inspires a comeback. From 15 points, he hits four threes in a game for the first time in more than a year. Remy Martin, kid with the curl, real name Reminis Martin. He hit four threes for the first last time he hit four threes. He was wearing the maroon and gold of the Arizona State University Sun Devils. And that's a scam. I mean, that's something weird in its own right. I eat Reminis. Blocked a shot on an open layup very late in the game. You got you got some guard, probably nicknamed Juice Box, streaking down the key, and he's going to get a layup. And here comes Remy Martin, knocks it away. No foul called. UNC ball. The application here. Never give up on yourself. This kid couldn't get out of his own way. His boss, his surrogate dad. His coach was not trusting him. Teammates were rolling their eyes when he was forcing up three-pointers in a crafty afternoon brickathon. Yet he sparks a comeback that led to a national championship. And that, um, I mean, 
The last time he hit at least four three-pointers in a game, oh, it was the ancient times of college basketball known as last year for the Arizona State University Sun Devils. The This transfer portal bit, it's kind of dicey when you can land a guy like that in college sports free agency and, and he jumpstarts you when you're trailing to a national championship. That's kind of dicey. Well, and you got to follow, I, I think it's Manic for North Carolina. He played two years at Oklahoma wow. before he went to the Tar Heels. And you've seen those right. jump arounds more often. The The respective bench stars for both teams last night, whether yeah. it was Remy Martin, mm-hmm. who, as you mentioned, the, the triples he was hitting and the buckets and the defense in the second half was, was a big part of the comeback. But how about Puff Johnson? Who the hell's <laughs> Puff Johnson for the North Carolina Tar Heels? He rolls in and completely nearly bleeps up the game against Duke when Baycott goes out uh, in the semifinal game. Comes in last. Yeah, Puffy. uh, Puffy Johnson is coming in there and hitting massive buckets. Then he starts like uh, there was like a fluid release, almost like a vomit. Like he had just he had never handled this many minutes before. Uh, he, he collapsed. Looks, he collapses on the court. And you had um, you had 30 who hits all the threes in the corner, not even worried about the game, just pointing at the guy being like, hey, uh, Huber, one of your guys is dying. Let's yeah. stop the game. That was, uh, Remy was a massive part of it. Uh, there's a, the the unheralded guys, like Abaji at times, like he's the focal point, right? Yeah. And And he made a ton of great plays, but then he rolls up and he bricks a bunch of free throws. And yeah. just, I mean, that was a... Free throws in this tournament, bad for uh, bad for Kansas all around. Yeah. But Christian Brown, which, by the way, I would never pronounce Braun Brown, mm-hmm. but it's Christian Brown. Yeah. I think he was sneakily maybe their best player last night. Had like, a 12-12 game, defended. He didn't get in foul trouble. Uh, he was awesome for that team last night. Braun Brown, like uh, the uh, Wobbles fighting Illini guy, Cockburn. Yeah, I don't, I don't know, man. There, there's something about it. It again, Cockburn. it was, it was North Carolina who played consistently the best throughout the tournament, but Kansas showed us last night that they were the deepest and the best team in the country. Mm-hmm. And Hubert's team went seven deep. I think you had four off the bench, so you go nine with Kansas. Just the depth on that team and the talent yeah. from Lightfoot to, to Remy, as we've talked about. And uh, the biggest thing for, for North Carolina, man, when they get cold, I mean, my God, it's hypothermia. <laughs> I mean, Caleb Love rolls yeah. his ankle. Baycott's already injured. Yeah. And, you know, taking the comeback that they took from Baylor earlier in the tournament, Oof. they were able to to figure that out in OT. But this Kansas operation is a completely different animal. That's, man. Uh, uh, that's some elite basketball, my knowledge right there. Uh, the 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 kid with the bad ankle, he, that's Love, right? Yeah, Caleb Love was yeah. there. He was, uh, he was, he was look, looking like Nerland's Noel for about half the game. Well, okay, so Baycott's their big guy that had the ankle injury, and yeah. then he re-rolled it yeah. with about 40 seconds to go. Number five, right? Yeah, but yeah. Caleb Love is their guard. I think he's the guy that was streaking to the hoop when uh, mm-hmm. Remy made that block. Yeah, But he was their big-time outside shooter, and I think he was 1-7 or 1-8 from deep last night Yeah, uh, when, when those things weren't falling. They didn't have answers. Uh, Manic was Manic. There's no doubt about that. But uh, but overall, R.J. Davis and Caleb Love couldn't get going. Puff Johnson, you say? Yeah, Puff Johnson. Puffy. His older brother, according to Blue Devil Daddy on Twitter, Cam Johnson, Phoenix Suns. You're kidding me. He wore Feng Shui's colors all season. Well, that's sweet. Cam, Cam, wow. So, 
So baby brother loses a national championship, and big brother might win a uh, uh, might win the Lombardi. I mean the Larry O'Brien. That's pretty cool. Uh, the the Kansas Jayhawks beat North Carolina. A couple of blue bloods hooking up on FM one hundred point three KFAN last night. You know what the A topic from the game is though? Hmm. Is Dewan Harris stepping on the line and ruining the cover? No, Rob, <laughs> the the A topic is basketball immortality. Well, here's the reality. Oh, okay. Let me write this down. Yeah. Well, see, I've been waiting for the A top. I wish you had told me last night. I could have rewritten the show. <laughs> the one A topic okay. is basketball immortality, Bill Self, crafting a freaking inbounds play to have a guy that close to the line. Yeah. That's if that's the first option, L. Yeah, absolutely. L. Blue Devil Daddy, though. Great game. Wonderful drama. 9 to noon with the Vikings conference. KFAN. This long winding talker yesterday about Eddie D's three four. Yeah, being a man of the tangential variety, of course I didn't get through it. But the serendipity is is um, it it may last a week of radio, including today in this segment right now. It's nine forty one. Good morning. <laughs> what we did was, you see, it's it's after being away for a while and being able well, i guess i guess i'm always able to observe things from air traffic control as opposed to being immersed with the details of professional and or personal life that go into like that middle seat we call 23b it's when 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 you're at least when i'm away i can i can analyze things with with an overarching view and and with the NFL draft, given this is April and the NFL draft is very, very popular in this part of the country, the Minnesota Vikings have the 12 spot. I, I just, it, it's, I believe if I were to bet, I mean, if it's, if, if, if there were like odds on the position of the rookie, the Minnesota Vikings would draft with their very first draft pick, I would bet cornerback. But it it just seems with so many that it's a an absolute foregone conclusion. Maybe it is. But I don't think that's fair to say when there are no past performances with any of the constituents making the pick. Quasi Adolfo Mensa never has made a draft pick. Kevin O'Connell never has bam banged his fist on the table saying I work. I worked out this receiver and/or quarterback. I vetted him out. I met his family. Uh, we've done A, B, and C, maybe even D. And bam, I want this guy. So they've net. They have no past performances. A trade from twelve to four could happen. A twelve to a twenty could happen. A staying at twelve and taking something that is maybe a little bit off the radar. It could happen. No past performances. 
and there are no morning workouts. So when I say we need to change our minds, which subsequently will change our hearts when it comes to looking at the NFL draft and specifically Eddie D's 3-4, Eddie D being Ed Donatello. Ed Donatello, longtime defensive mind in the NFL, uh, coordinator for the Atlanta Falcons, the Green Bay Packers, just worked with uh, Vic Fangio and and his exotic 3-4 with, uh, with the Denver Broncos. He's Eddie D. And he runs a 3-4. So the minds need to be changed post-haste because you will be seeing a style of defense you, we, and most never have seen as a base defense for the Minnesota Vikings, given the last time they ran it as a base was 40 years ago. So we went down the road of some of the better 3-4 defenses over the last 20 years, and the point being what types of players make up these 3-4 defenses. Yesterday's focus, the 0-4 Steelers, that 3-4 considered absolutely one of the best in the last 20 years. And through Aaron Smith and Troy Polamalu and James Harrison and some of these noteworthy names, their cornerbacks were Deshae Townsend and Willie Williams. Yeah, Willie Williams. Not Walt the Wizard Williams, who played for the Terrapins and subsequently the Sacramento Kings. Willie Williams, Deshae Townsend. Deshae Townsend, not bad, but he's not Darrell Rivas. And 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 so therefore it it now when it comes to to changing the heart because of what is what's coming is so new, the mind can stay the same when you recognize need for the Minnesota Vikings absolutely at cornerback. But just because it's being written, there are two everybody wants. And then it's a massive fall off. I I'd prefer to let those compensated to analyze things like that professionally because their jobs are on the line. I'd prefer to know if they feel it's that way, because with super special sauce and um, and Daryl Daryl Stingley's grandkid. When I started re- reading up on Derek Stingley yesterday, holy cow, I should have known this quick twitch. Ah, grandfather Daryl Stingley. Uh, new schoolers. Daryl Stingley was a wide receiver for the New England Patriots. He was set to become the highest paid receiver in the National Football League. Ran into Jack Tatum with the Oakland Raiders. Tatum hit him dirty. Stingley ended up in a wheelchair. So when you when you read a lot on Jeez. Derek, when you read a lot on Derek, you hear a lot about Daryl and the inspiration. And so now you know you got uh, the LSU corner. So, of course, low-hanging fruit, Patrick Peterson played at LSU. Of course, you'll want to mentor him, which is an absolutely overrated facet when people analyze football. It's it's just because the guys, here's the deal. The majority of times over my 20 that I've seen veterans nearing the end and newbies rolling in to take their job, the veteran focuses as much, if not more, on survival and doing everything he can in con- with cunning and guile and in very crafty nature just to hold on to a spot. So, yeah, there can be some pointers, but, I mean, this ain't going to be like, you know, say say we take the LSU kid, the corner, it ain't going to be like, hey, every Tuesday, come over to my house, we're going to sit down and watch film for six hours. 
I will say that uh, Mr. Peterson, after announcing his return, he and uh, I believe it's Brian McFadden, right, on their podcast, openly stumping for the team to take Stingley. Of course. So, LSU. And, and it is the LSU connection. Mm-hmm. So as much as the, the mentorship can be overplayed, mm-hmm. uh, that connection, and that's that's what we're looking for. We're looking for angles. So you got mm-hmm. the LSU connection there. Yeah. You got Durante Jones, who was running the DBs down there last season mm-hmm. and now is back here uh, doing the same work with the Purple. Like it. I mean, it's obvious. It has to be Stingley. There's my, no other answer at 12. Might be Stingley. Uh, the constituents making the calls have no past performances, so I'm going to sit back and just enjoy the equation as it simmers up to the draft. But if it is a cornerback, a lot of great things to to be learned about Stingley, super special sauce, and some other cats, the Stingley cat with the long arms, yeah, just uh, some Trayvon digs to him with the way he plays and his length and stuff like that. It's cool, man. But the premise yesterday continuing today is there is absolutely more than one proverbial way to skin a metaphorical cat when you're running a 3-4. Because the 3-4, more familiar or more, it's more commonplace now than it was 10 years ago. But DeShay Townsend and Willie Williams, as part of a Pittsburgh Steelers defense, they they are nondescript corners, and that's the only way to put it. So that defense in 4 81 rushing yards per game, best in the NFL. 177 passing yards per game, fourth best in the NFL. 15 points per game allowed, best in the NFL, 04 Steelers. Now you get your rush on in non-obvious Dick LeBeau-like fashion, and obviously that plays into it. But that also plays into the conversation where you you, you can have Daryl's grandkid or you can have super special sauce. If you ain't rushing the quarterback, you're going to get beat. And that's it. That that's That's the end of the equation for me. If you can't get to the quarterback from your three four, and your linebackers are a little are a little on the lighter side, and you're having trouble stopping the run, it honestly doesn't matter if you had Patrick Peterson from ten years ago and super special sauce. It's going to be very difficult to stop the pass. But I still would bet corner as the first pick, but I wouldn't bet as much as some others. I uh, went over it yesterday as as to Eddie D's three four. 2022 Minnesota Vikings, just kind of where we are now. The front three, Tomlinson, Phillips, and who? Tomlinson, Phillips, and who? Zadar- linebackers, Zadarius and Daniil from the edge, Kendricks and Jordan Hicks inside, okay? Kendricks and Hicks and Daniil, but, but inside guys, Kendricks and Hicks. I mean, they, on average are 20, 25 pounds lighter than some of the better inside linebackers in a 3-4. Doesn't mean, again, it doesn't mean you can't skin that metaphorical cat with your proverbial players, but if you look through the annals of time and some of the better inside 3-4 linebackers, they go 245 to 253. Then on the back end, you got um, uh, back, uh, well, just, just front seven for now. Guessing the guard in 10 minutes. The girth and thrust and point holding of the defensive end is imperative. My example from yesterday will be my example now. His name is Aaron Smith. He's one of my favorite players over the last 20 years. Kind of underrated. 6'5", 298-ish. All right? Defensive end in a 3'4". 
65298. Armin Watts is the same size. And like I said yesterday, I like Watts' trajectory with, with how he's improving. And I think he's going to be, because he's so strong, Armin's not the fastest thing in the world, very, very country strong. I like Armin at one of those defensive end spots. James Lynch, nose tackle, three technique, defensive tackle from Baylor for the Minnesota Vikings running that 4-3. Lynch, same size as Aaron Smith. And Armin Watts, right around 6'5", 298. So now, deducing, Lynch needs to go to defensive end. I mean, where else would he play? He ain't going to play. He ain't going to play fat guy in the middle. He ain't going to play linebacker. I mean, he he could play inside linebacker, I guess. But now you got like nine guys step uh, standing up, as they say in the business, for the first time in their careers. So James Lynch, if he makes the team, size wise, fits the Aaron Smith role. DBs. Peterson and who outside the former the former Packer gets the nickel Hitman and Bynum, but expect three safeties to play about the same amount of time. Hitman will get a little more of the clock be like Brodeen plays or Dumba plays this amount of minutes and then right behind Brodeen and Spurgeon Dumba will be Hitman. He'll play he'll play more, but I low key am expecting Three safety looks from Eddie D is not obvious. But that provides at least one another who. Okay, so we got who's there. We're light inside with the linebackers. Who's our third defensive end? And who are they going to have backing up Zadarius Smith and Daniil Hunter when it comes to rushing off the edge? We can say it's DJ Wanham. Okay, can we say it's going to be okay with DJ standing up and playing the way he plays? Yeah, I think it will, but it still leads to a who. It does lead to a who. I I actually, with the way you line things up on the interior side, whether it is Armin Watts, it's Lynch, when you're talking about 12, and corner is, in my opinion, the prohibitive favorite, but... Depending upon how things play out, no, it's favored. the The ability to to add a beef uh, a beefy guy up front Defensive, uh, defensively, defensive end. See that that's when I say we need to change our minds because defensive ends like Unique Ngakwe in the One Trick Pony. He's a defensive end in a four three, and he's light, but he's light. But he does one thing as well as any pass rusher in the NFL. But there are three things that need to be done that are super key, and he can't do two of them. Right. He can't stop the run, can't hold the point of attack, and or keep contained. So in a 3-4, Unique would probably be an outside linebacker versus a defensive end, right? In a 3-4, Unique's on the bench. Well, okay, perfect. But I'm just I'm thinking about that one of the biggest challenges, and I love the focus on the front seven because a couple of guys you haven't mentioned outside of Wanham, uh, Patrick Jones mm-hmm. and... Janaris Robinson mm-hmm. were you know both complete non-factors last year. My my point is though is that mm-hmm. I almost feel more comfortable that we have enough three hundred pound guys that somehow via talent, skill, technique, change, practice that they can exist in there. Starting with Phillips and Tomlinson and maybe Armin. Let's just put Armin in there for the sake of this conversation. Yeah. On the outside, 
you know, if they stay healthy, it's a force and it's an amazing duo. Big if. But, and, and it is a big if. And I don't like anybody that's behind them right now on the depth chart. Hunter and Smith, off those injuries everybody knows about, you got a combined 34 games for both of them. Yeah. I mean, honestly, if you get 20 or more, 21, 22, 23 or more, that'd be great. Yeah. And and I would honestly set the over-under in the 20s simply because of the recency of the past performances. Absolutely. And you're hoping that we all get paid on the over. But hope can kill you yeah. uh, in this regard from a health standpoint and mm-hmm. uh, and trying to win games. So uh, the focus on the middle and, and who that guy is with uh, Tomlinson and Phillips, love it, need to focus on it. And that's what muddies the conversation when you just zero in on the Stingley or the sauce-related names because mm-hmm. they're flashy and they're cool. Uh, you need to figure out, though, who's behind Zedaria Smith and Daniil Hunter. That, for me, becomes almost like the focal point in totality with that front seven. Right. And, and again, when it comes to changing minds, and it's up to people if they want to do it. If they don't, that's fine. But it's like you said – we with we have defensive ends you believe that can exist. Is that how you put it? I think I think as of right now, Armin Watts could start and be proficient at at least a couple if we're talking about yeah. three or four things you need. Mm-hmm. I like Armin Watts, his strength, his size, his ability to swallow up space. What about his girth? Oh, I mean the girth is just fantastic. <laughs> So tremendous thrust. Oh, the the, the middle thrust is yeah. what we're looking for in yeah. this three four, and he can provide a lot of it. Aaron Smith is who you need. You again, it's you you change everything. I mean, this isn't a repaint the kids' rooms with Castile foam. This is not add crown molding to the sinkhole room. This is not ponder <laughs> finishing our basement. This is a freaking gutting of a house and flipping it, hopefully for 12 wins. Yeah. So this this is a gut job here. What about Sheldon Richardson on Out. a super cheap deal? Out. I, I just, I mean, if they sign him, great. I'll call the games a root for him. But where's he play? Too light to play defensive end. Well, he's he's listed at 6'3", 294. Oh, he's 294. Wow. So, and and they moved they moved him outside to a 4'3". He didn't yeah. get any sacks well. last year, but out of need, he played D-end mm-hmm. and uh, and created some problems. I didn't disruptive. like his season, did you? No. Yeah, I didn't like his season. But I, I'm, just, I'm just trying to find options and, and put some of these names on the table because yeah. right now what I'm seeing is we, we have a couple of guys we think can work, mm-hmm. uh, but we only get one pick at 12. Right. And uh, and right now, that's that's difficult for me. And we haven't even gotten to, which is you talk about, you know, long wind and tangential, mm-hmm. the middle linebacker situation. Again, depth, depth, depth. Well, Kendricks and Hicks play. So, I mean. Well, they'll play, but yeah. hopefully they play every snap. But, um, you know, when, when you renovate a house and you've got a house to flip it, uh, with the with the anticipation of going from um, what we have last year, seven wins. I think we had seven. Yeah, from seven to eleven or twelve wins. One of the keys is getting rid of the old furniture. Is finding the furniture that has wobbly legs. Yeah, and might not even want to be in that house, and you rid yourselves of it. And that that's changing minds, changing hearts, and changing um, changing things that uh, potentially need to be changed with the new house. Much more on this coming up later, or maybe tomorrow, uh, but um, some more Vikings conversation involving uh, the offensive side of the equation.